Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Everybody and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now Scan Radio Show Number Three Three Zero Eight. Stop Child Abuse Now is brought to you by NASCA, the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. NASCA is a nonprofit five hundred one c three organization, and I'm going to read the mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA, to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And tonight is, uh uh-oh, I got signed out, Uh uh-oh, hold on. Tonight is Wednesday, and we have a special topic show for you. I'm here with Dr. Nancy, and we want you to call in. We have two wonderful callers on the line already, yay! Um, But please do call in to 646 595-2118. That's 646-595-2118. When you call in, you'll be part of the panel, and the panel will um, can suggest a topic. We have a couple in mind, but we're not married to them. Um, On our episodes, we welcome various co-hosts and survivor professionals who will assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, 
and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone is invited to engage in tonight's show. Please visit the NASCA.org website. And tonight, we're here with Dr. Nancy. And, oh, I should say I'm Annie Marcus. I'm your host for tonight. And Dr. Nancy is here. And Dr. Nancy, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hi, Miss Annie. I'm Dr. Nancy, your wonderful co-host for tonight. I'm so excited to be um, serving alongside with you on NASA. Again, we're on scan number 3308, and um, I'm just honored to be here. I know we have a couple of guests already called into your show tonight. I see Philip and Joanna on the line. Uh, and so once we get this conversation going, we'd love for them to join us. Thank you. Great. Okay. Well, do you want to start with a topic, Dr. Nancy, one of the ones you mentioned to me? Yes, ma'am. So, you know, there. The, whenever we do these scan shows, there are quite a bit, there's just a lot of different topics we can talk about. So like you said earlier, Miss Annie, we're not married to any of these topics. We're just trying to get the conversation open and started. Um, so one of the topics uh, that we were talking a little bit about earlier was, you know, there's a lot of common feelings from people who have been through abuse. This is not just sexual abuse, um, also any a lot of different forms of abuse. Uh, for some of us, we'll talk about how it affects us as far as sexual abuse goes, but some people have been through traumatic abuse from emotional abuse, physical abuse, um, verbal abuse. You know, abuse is still, it's still abuse, you know. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of times survivors will want to know, why did this happen to me? You know, we go through, you may go through a stage where we're blaming ourselves. You know, we're like, did I do anything wrong? Uh, Is it my fault? You know, because you feel like the power, your power has been taken away from, from you by someone else, someone who had access to take away your power. Um, you know, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your uh, age, race, or religion, this can happen to anyone. So it happens to women, it happens to men, it happens to adults, and it happens to children at some point in their lives. Um, you know, people will sometimes ask themselves, when will I be okay? You know, I went through this trauma. When will I be okay? Will this be over um, will I stop feeling this way? Um, you know, and it's hard to understand sometimes, you know, why someone would ever do some of these things to anyone that would cause people pain. But, you know, and it definitely is not fair. Um, but, I, you know, I always tell people you want to focus on the fact that you did survive and that you are strong and that you are courageous because you did survive. Uh, and there really is no blueprint to surviving or to healing. Um, and so, you know, these group sessions that we have, they're really helpful because sometimes we can share some of the things that might have helped us survive through our journey. Um, and, you know, and that's always needed to help people get through this. Um, another question is how do I get over this? So, again, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead. I don't know if anyone 
has a comment to make regarding why did this happen to me? Have you ever questioned why this happened to me while you were going through it? If you Have you felt like, did you do something wrong or, you know, was it my fault or any of those type of feelings? Or uh, or have you ever asked yourself, when will I be okay? Like this, this feeling, this emotion of sadness is so long and you're wondering when will you be okay? Any of those thoughts? The questions? Okay, I think those are wonderful <laughs> questions. Shall we let yeah. Philip and Joanna in to to uh, answer them if they have any? Yes, ma'am. I got you covered. I'm getting their mics right now. Hmm? Welcome, um, Philip and Joanna. Hi, Hi Joanna. <laughs> Have um, you got a, a comment or a question, Philip? I'll let Miss Joanna go first. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Sometimes you pro- you're trying to process, you know, why did this happen to me? Um, sometimes it's associated with a lot of shame and guilt. But I always encourage people when I talk to them sometimes, like it's it happened to you, and you are not the person who should be like, you know, sometimes kids, they're like, oh, I, did I do something to make my parents upset? Did I do something, or um, older people, like, did I do something to make my partner upset? And really, like, I feel like abuse is abuse, and that person, like, you treat people the way you want to feel, the way you feel about yourself. And I am a survivor of abuse emotional abuse and I've been through a couple emotional abusive relationships in my past and what helped me to survive is like okay I've made it through it and I took the time to really you know figure out like okay why did I allow this person to do this to me and also person feels about themselves it's not really me and um, I studied a lot of narcissistic abuse I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse and there's various forms of it through like relationships through parental narcissistic abuse and different levels of um, people who are you know physically and emotionally abusive through that kind of abusive system so um, I sometimes would question in the past, like, you know, why did this happen to me? Did I do that? But that's that person. And sometimes people who are abusive use lots of um, manipulative tactics, especially in intimate relationships. You know, they do a lot of gaslighting. They do a lot of, like, word salads. And you're just, you're like, oh, my gosh, did that just happen to me? It's like you're going on, um, you know, like those rides, in the music park where, like, it would spin you and spin you and you get off the ride, you're like, oh, my God, like, what is happening? You're doing a lot of cognitive dissonance. You're like, I mean, does that person really love me? Because sometimes, like, the various forms of love, like, some people are like, oh, you know, they'll hit you or they'll scream at you or do something verbally abusive, and they're like, you know, but I love you anyway. And you're like, okay. <laughs> sometimes, like, 
you think that's love, but you get, like, conditioned to that form of love. And I had to reprocess what the, the meaning of love meant for me. And that's why I created, like, boundaries. I was like, okay, I know love for me means this. And when certain people cross the line, I have to disassociate myself with certain people because sometimes the people, they don't want what's good for you. And it's okay. Like, as I got older, sometimes I would be like, why is this person not speak to their mother? Why is this person not speak to their sibling? Why is this person totally cut off, you know, the parent, the child's parent? But sometimes it's like, we say we're survivors, so we're in, like, a survival kind of mindset. And when you go through it, like, when I went through it, I learned a lot of wisdom through it that helped me as tools to protect myself. Because I always encourage people, like, self-preservation is key. Because that's, like, our life force. And sometimes we go through things and we have to make a decision. Like, okay, something when you're a child, you're like, okay, you have no control because it's the parent that's kind of, like, subconsciously you look into your parent. But you get wisdom and you know better so you do better and some people who become I feel like abusers it's like they know it's wrong but they do it anyway and that shows like okay this person doesn't have integrity this person doesn't have character this person has some kind of psychological disorder and then there's other people who've gone through it and they're like you know all right I'm going to make a change in the community I'm going to be a light in darkness I'm going to you know change and educate people to strengthen the community. And I feel like, you know, that's where I release certain people. Like, okay, this person made a decision to be like this, so I'm going to go on this person and set boundaries so this person doesn't have access to me. And sometimes you do have to have access in various forms because if you have, like, you share a child, like, with somebody who's an abuser, you know, through the court system, you have to have this system that you, the child sometimes has to see the other parent, but you can set up a system where you don't really engage with that particular individual on certain levels. But, um, you know, for me, with all that said, I feel like, you know, that helps me to process, like, why did this happen to me? Because I just said, you know, sometimes you go into a situation that you don't know. You, you, you know, the person's creating this future fakeness, and they're like, yeah, we're going to be together. We're going to have this beautiful life. They love bomb you with all these things, and then all of a sudden they rip it away. And it's like two extremes. It's like hot and cold. Like one minute you're like, oh, my God, I'm in love with this person. And the next minute you're like, oh, my God, this is like my enemy. And the person literally says, like, I hate you. I want to harm you. And you're just like, oh, my God, like, a few weeks ago, we were just, like, best of friends, and that's what creates that confusion. And sometimes you, you think, like, you try to find a solution. You're looking inside, like, oh, my God, maybe it's me. But it's really not. It's like some people, like, the person really has a disorder. And you have, like, that's how I compartmentalize some people who abuse me. I said, like, this person has a disorder, and I need to disassociate myself with people who don't value, who don't respect me, who don't cherish me. Like, you know, like a relationship in exchange and respect and love. And if someone comes into your life and they're trying to harm you, you know, it's something like, you know, you're like, no, you can't have access to me. But that was like, I learned to do this through years of therapy, years of studying, to love myself again. 
Because sometimes you have to go within and say, like, oh, my God, I have to, like, really honor myself. I have to love myself. So when it's coming from the outside, you you have a guideline that you put against. You're like, okay, this is love for me. This person wants to enhance my life. We're going to enhance each other's lives, and we're going to do it together. But, you know, that's that's my take on it. Wow, thank you, Joanna. I love good comments. I appreciate that. And um, Dr. Nancy, would you like to respond? Yeah, definitely. That was a good topic. Um, I'm glad that you addressed that, um, Ms. Joanna, the way you did, because, um, well, first of all, you know, it's good if you can kind of break down for me I would like for you to break down what love bombing is because for some people that might be a new word. They may be in a situation right now where they're going through love bombing or flying monkeys or some of the other words that you use. I don't think you use flying monkeys in this particular topic, but thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate the short notice that you were able to show up and um, and be a part of the panel tonight. Um, but anyways, you know, like love bombing, uh, when we talk about grooming, because that was one of the things um, Miss Annie and I were talking about earlier. We were talking about, um, you know, grooming and how abuse affects people and also, uh, you know, unresolved, dealing with unresolved trauma. But some of the words that you used earlier, uh, one of them was <clears throat> love bombing. I wish I would have wrote down the other one that you used. I can't think right now. I have a lot of other things on my mind. But if you could kind of just share a little bit about what is love bombing, what does it look like, so that if a victim is experiencing some of that, they can recognize the sign. Um, love bombing is like, for instance, we use an example. You meet somebody, and I guess people who are who have that narcissistic trait. They want to shower you with gifts, shower you with love, but it's over excessively. So it's just like there you meet that person, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like my soulmate. This is the person I've been waiting for. Because people with that narcissistic trait, they have a predator type of mindset. So they're studying you. They look for people who have codependency type of personality. Sometimes they um, they listen very closely to what your needs are. So they'll say, like, oh, okay, for instance, if you're somebody who loves gifts, they'll buy you gifts, they'll take you on trips, they'll constantly call you all the time, they'll things will move very, very quickly. Then the next thing you know, if you're living with the person, driving your car, they're around you and your children, um, it's just so much, and you're just like, and you're getting all that energy, all the, um, I don't know what the word is, um, endorphins, but you're excited, you're just like, you know, like how you do drugs, like a drug, and you're getting that high, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing, and then... After the love bombing, it goes to another phase of devaluation. So the person's like, after they love bomb you, and that person, it's like an exchange too, psychologically, because the narcissistic person, they 
they love because they have a lot of shame and they they know they're like 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 a bad person, but they know they have a trail of broken relationships. They have a mindset of a beginning and an end. So they're like, okay, this is going to start, and I know I'm going to mess it up at some point. So they always have to have that that energy, that highness, because they don't understand, they don't know how to process like normalcy. Like sometimes in relationships, you have your ups and downs, and you know things happen. But they always want to look for the fun time. So they will, they go on this thrill of love bombing you, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And sometimes, like, you would want that codependency to see, like, okay, I'm going to be attention from that person. So you become that lock of the, like I said, the codependency and the addiction to that person. And so after that narcissistic person only lasts for, a, they can last for a few months, they can last for a few years. And then over time, the person starts saying little rude remarks. They're very short-tempered with you. You're like, okay. But because they're, they're coming down from their high. And then they start, sometimes they scream at you. They're violent with you. Sometimes in some situations, they ghost you. They just disappear. Or they'll start, you know, having other intimate partners behind your back. Just this goes on. And... Um, that was a form of love bomb, and then they do, like, a discard phase where, it's, like I said, they ghost you, and out of nowhere, like, they just disappear. They just turn into a different person, and then that's the form of, like, that emotional abuse because it's always, like, high. It's always one extreme to the other, but in love bomb, it's just the full throttle of everything that you want, everything you desire, but they have no intentions of keeping it, like, consistent. It's only for a short period of time, but you're unaware of it. So that's how they lock you into the relationship. That's how they lock you into, because people get locked into marriage, locked into financial situations, because narcissistic love bombing can come in, like, you know, even with friendships, business, and intimate partners. All right, thank you. Thank you. Ms. if I may, may say something, a mm-hmm. lot of what um, Ms. Joanna was saying, you know, like they'll try to lock you into contracts, okay? Uh, and they may be in the form of trying to lock you into purchasing a home with them, lock you into having a baby with them, lock you into getting married, lock you into co-signing, uh, for our business, for a vehicle, things like that. I went through that at one point. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that they do. That they do. Uh, and before you know it, you're like, what in the heck did I do? Why did I do that? A lot of um, people who have been survivors of abuse, child abuse, different forms of abuse, they also deal with codependency. Um and they look for those connections. And so when you have someone who's like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm, I'm going to be here, I'm not leaving, I'm going to be here, I'm, a, I'm not leaving, especially so early on where they're like, oh, you are my wife, that's it, or you're my husband, you are the one. And you're like, wait a minute, it's so quick. 
but I do believe in love at first sight. So you want to have a positive attitude about it. You want to have a, a good outlook about it. But then when you really look at it, you're like, oh, my God, you're a fraud and you're wasting my time. And you just got me in a whole crazy situation. Why did I even go here? And so it's a really confusing place to be because you would like to believe the best of it. But when you really look at it, you're like, oh, my God, what the heck am I in? And I'm I'm in uh, knees high, deep in in it. Uh, So I don't know if anyone has had an experience with lot bombing or um, codependency or someone abusing you and your kindness and or your trust. Miss Annie or anyone else? Let's ask Philip to speak up. Are you ready, Philip? Yes. So the topic was how did abuse make me feel? Well, it gave me low self-esteem to where I felt like and still feel like I'm not allowed to protect myself and, like, I'll get in trouble for having good feelings. Mm. Thank you. I relate to that, not allowed to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I remember if, if I tried to protect myself or to protest, it would just get worse, you know. So I, I learned never to say anything. I learned it's okay if people abuse me, just don't say anything. Well, I lived my life that way, letting people do abusive things and say abusive things. But I don't anymore because now I know abuse when I see it. I didn't even recognize it for a long time. I didn't I didn't even know. I thought it was normal behavior because my mom was very verbally abusive like screaming and yelling, like that. And then my dad was sexually abusive. And they both were horrible, horrible people. And and I wonder why. You know, what, what would make people want to behave this way? And I think it's adrenaline. I think it gives them, well, they're both dead now, but... I think it was an adrenaline rush that they got my mom from screaming, screaming, and and my dad from abusing, and that that's what they were seeking. So that's my idea. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. And back to you, Dr. Nancy. Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, a lot of what you said definitely I could resonate with as well. Um, you know, the verbal abuse, I think, in a lot of the households and different cultures at the end of the day bring us back to the fact that even though we culturally were different, there are a lot of similarities in the way that the parents were raised. You know, children are seen, not heard. Uh, you don't speak back. You don't uh, express yourself. If you do, it could be taken as a sign of disrespect. And there's really a thin line between, you know, respect and expression. And even today, you know, as we learn more, we're able to learn how to better express ourselves or how to guide our children on what's healthy expression of self. Whereas back in the days, you couldn't even blink your eyes wrong at the parents or you get a beaten. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times what I think about is I look back at our parents. And then I look back at their parents, and then I start to think about that child. That's what allows me to kind of look at them and feel kind of bad for them because I'm like, dang, okay, you know, <clears throat> they they went through these phases, 
but also um, I'm gonna mute you real quick. <laughs> you know, sorry, but um, yeah, we we go through these phases where we may say, okay, you know, I went through this, but then you look at your parents and you're like, well, they went through this because I went through this. To me, it was so traumatic. I'm focused on me. But when I look at the child, them, as a child, I'm like, dang, you went through that? And then when I look at their parents, I'm like, whoa, they went through that. And then I can kind of see the, the connection of the of the history of the generational trauma that has been passed down uh, from one generation to the next. Um, and then as we continue to move forward, and we become more educated as we are becoming more educated here now. Um, you know, on NASCAR, I'm going to mute you just in case. Sorry. I, I hope the baby's done. Um, you know, just as we're moving forward, you know, we, we start to just say to ourselves, you know, how can I be better? How can I do better? Now that I know better, how can I do better? How can I be better? How can I help other people? That's one of the things that I love about everyone on this call right now because we're coming together to help solve an, an issue, to help solve a problem, to help other people, to, to lend a hand up and say, hey, this helped me, these tools helped me, how can I serve you? Um, and, yeah, but, you know, to, to go through that type of abuse and be told not to tell mm-hmm. from an early age, it's, it, that, that has to be so severely traumatic. Thank you for sharing that again, Miss um, Annie. Um, you know, like I said, your story is like parallel with mine where I'm like, wow, you know, it's hard to meet someone who really understands and or has experienced that type of level of trauma. And um, and, and you empower us to be able to share and, and raise our voice and tell our truth about parents, your fathers and mother abuse. I think that's so important. Thank you for your service as well. Thank you, Dr. Nancy. I wanted to to tell a little story because you said that we're told not to tell. That reminded me of something, and I want to tell this story. Um, one time, I guess I said something to someone at school. I don't know what. But my mother came into my room as I was dressing myself. And I was standing there not even completely dressed. And she started screaming at me about how nothing that happens in this house is anybody's business, and I better not ever say anything ever again. And I I can still feel myself standing there taking in this screaming, and it was very traumatizing. Um, and I certainly never did tell anyone. So it worked. How about, how about you, Philip? Did anybody tell you not to tell? Um, I think my dad told us not to tell my mom about some of the stuff he did. Yeah. Yeah. And Joanna, how about you? Joanna, um, how about you? Um, well, not to tell... I what happens that. in the house, <laughs> whether you're getting beat, flat, oh. <laughs> you know, culturally, how yeah, you they deal know, with it. Culturally, they say, like, you know, you're not supposed to really tell people what's going on inside of the house. 
um, this is our family. You're supposed to protect your family. So sometimes, like, if you do something, even in, like, if you're married, you know, like, if you have an abusive partner and they're, like, don't tell me more business. Like, this is between you and I. And you're, like, but that's part of the isolation and that's part of the control. Like, people who are abusive, they're, like, power and they're, like, control. So when they isolate you, it's like you can't reach out to other support. So, like, if they're abusing you as a child, like, oh, don't tell your therapist. Don't tell, you know, your friends because it's going gonna, gonna to turn around and hold that person, the abuser, accountable. So, like, if you're in, like, in a dating situation where it's like, oh, don't tell people my business, this is between you and I, and then slowly you start seeing so like, oh, I'm not talking to my friends, I'm not talking to my family because they want you to keep it a secret and keep it in darkness so they can still have that control. Like, you're like the punching bag for the abuser. So, you know, no one can stop them. And they love it. And they love to see yeah. people under them. And they're like to, and it could be in a form of a child, a partner, a coworker, you know. And I feel like yeah. that's what the, the don't say nothing comes from because they they want to do that use that tool of isolation to still gain power over you. Mhm. Thank you. All right. Where shall we go next? Yep. And that was good. And again, thank you for sharing that. Um, so the other thing that we had on the list was, you know, we were looking at, <clears throat> you know, we talked about how the abuse goes from shock to numbness. Um, now, a lot of times, you know, Joanna knows I make this, I don't know if it's a joke or whatever. I'd be like, look, I'm on numb mode. And that's the only way to get through this <laughs> is to go on numb mode. Um you know, but the truth of the matter is that sometimes people go into this numb place. And sometimes it can be good when you need to push through, but sometimes it can be very dangerous when it comes um, as it relates to healing from the trauma. Because when you go into a numb mode, um, you know, it emotionally shocks you, right? So you may go into crying uncontrollably, laughing, um, nervously withdrawing. Numb mode can be a big amount of, it can really be withdrawing. Uh, or claiming to feel nothing, or I'm fine. You know, a lot of times people say, how you doing? I'm okay. How you doing? I'm fine. You know, uh, and so survivors of abuse often feel overwhelmed to the point of not knowing how to feel or what to do. Um, and so, um, some of the tips, you know, that they uh, share with us in regards to um, healing or trying to heal from that is to reassure yourself uh, that these feelings will diminish over time, okay? Uh, but it takes time. So it takes time to heal and to be gentle with yourself. So normally I'd be like, you know, it's okay. You know, exercise, which I need to get back on track. Breathing exercises are good meditation, going out for a walk, listening to music, finding things that will promote self-care um, to help you feel. Because sometimes not feeling and going into numb mode can be very dangerous. I don't know if you guys have experienced 
um, the need to go into the numb mode to survive. I do it quite frequently. Um, but uh, if you're dealing with depression, it could be very dangerous. Thank God I'm not dealing with depression, but I do do numb mode like almost every day. Thank you. I don't think anybody I, has I don't had think experience. I, do. I don't think I do numb mode. I'm trying to think. Um, you know, I I probably used to, but now I do very well. I don't have um, ups and downs, you know, like I used to, and I I don't have flashbacks and that kind of thing anymore, and so I don't really mm-hmm. need to to make myself feel numb. And also, I don't hang out with anybody who's abusive anymore. So I don't have to protect myself in that way by becoming numb. Well, that's beautiful. Unfortunately, I have, you know, um, family stuff that still cross the line, people in the family, children in the family. So the only way for me to survive I have to sometimes just focus on school, focus on myself, and go into numb mode. Um, if it was just me, I would definitely be so happy because I feel like I protect myself so well when it's just me. Um, but when you have adult children or grandchildren and people acting up, sometimes it's like, Lord, help me. How do I get these people, you know, because it's, it's a little bit hard. Um, but for me, again, I don't have feelings right now, and so I am on the mode to be transparent and open um, with, the, with one disrespectful or two disrespectful children um, out of six. So for me, I, I, numb mode, it does help me. It helps me to, to focus on the beautiful things, the people who... Um, so I'm going to be honest with you. When I say numb mode, I don't see it as a bad thing because um, it's not like I, it's a bad thing. I see it as a, I'm getting work done and I'm not allowing toxic energy to have access to me so that those people and those behaviors get blocked out. They don't have enough power to have access to me because I'm such a beautiful person. I know that from the inside out that if I catch the you a little hater or a little jealous, a little mean girl or anything like that, I you you don't get access to me. You don't get the privilege to get access to me. And so that's how I go into my numb mode. Um, when I go to work and I'm working, let's say I may work day and night, there's times that I've done that. I go into numb mode. I'm like, girl, please. I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't want to work. No, I'm like, no, I, I know I have a three-month goal, and I'm working. And so those things, and I'm in school full-time. I'm taking five classes. Um, wow. So for me to get through, yeah, yeah, for me to get through and still volunteer in the community and still, you know, checking on the grandkids and still work, Sometimes I've had, I, there's been times I've had six jobs while I've been school full time, like craziness. And so wow. for me to be able to do, yeah, for me to be able to do some of the things I do, I go into numb mode. And when I use the word numb mode, I, I hope that it doesn't sound mean, but it's me saying, girl, I got to go. I don't got time for that disrespectful daughter of mine on today. 
and goodbye. When you learn to be respectful, you come back around. I'm not going to cry for you like I used to back in the day, and I'm not going to kiss your butt. When you're ready, you come this way and you appropriately respect me. And and bye, because you're spoiled blood. Um, and so, you know, some people, when you're so nice, they take advantage and they know who they can be mean to, who they can talk rude to, and there's certain people they wouldn't dare to do it because those people wouldn't put up with it. And so sometimes that kindness, because I feel like a lot of people have hurt me, uh, and it's because I'm always like, okay, yep, uh-huh, and I'm nice, and then they just they just cross the line. So for me, numb mode is like a way of protecting my heart and still keeping it moving and not laying in the bed like I used to back in the days when I was depressed and feeling sad and feeling like, why don't they love me? Why don't they like me? Why are they being mean to me? Why they hurt me? No, I don't go through that. I just be like, goodbye. And I keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And so when I say numb mode, it's more of a um, self-empowerment, self-reflection, self-protection, and self-movement where I'm able to still continue to go to school and build and keep it moving and focus on myself because, you know, I wasted some time where I'm just now going back again to school. So I feel like this is my time. But I'm off my soul. Soapbox. I just wanted to make sure that I kind of clarify that because I wasn't sure if um, if I made numb mode sound bad. But I, I, for me personally, and where I am in my healing, numb mode is good, especially when, as it relates to people that have access to hurt me. They really can't hurt me because I, I no longer give them that access anymore. Um, and one of the things that you do have to be careful, again, for some people who go into numb mode, if they're dealing with depression, numb mode can be dangerous. Like I did say earlier, Miss Annie, numbers can be dangerous if you're dealing with depression. And so, uh, and I've been there, uh, and that's where those thoughts of suicide and things like that can sneak in. So if you're dealing with guilt, shame, self-blame, anger, isolation, you have to be careful because numbers, if you're not coming from a place of empowerment, can be very dangerous um, because that could mean that you may be dealing with depression. Um, so I can see where someone could take that in a negative way based on where, how, where they are personally, right? Um, and so some of those things that uh, come with that is um, with the isolation could be anxiety, shaking, nightmares, um, you know. And some people may deal with concerns for the assailant. They may deal with con- uh, concerns for the person who has abused them worrying about their uh, mother or their sister. Um, I had a client this week that just shared with me she's so angry at her mom for past hurt. She doesn't like her and she doesn't care to like her. And she doesn't forgive her. And she doesn't care to forgive her. And that's just where she's at today. Um, So I don't know if anyone has had any issues with that, where they've, they've been angry, holding on to anger, resentment. Uh, or have dealt with um, isolating themselves a little too much, anything like that, or worried about the person who hurt them, worried about that statement. Anyone? All right. Stella or Joanna, would okay. you like to comment? If not, I got I can, more. Okay. I can comment on the num on the numb mode thing because, like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, you know, the, like, to elaborate on what Nancy was saying about, like, you know, pushing through, 
And sometimes, you know, when sometimes the abuser, the power they have over you is to stop you from shining your beautiful light, stop you from progressing in life, having a stronghold on you. So sometimes, like, I used to have really bad panic attacks. I used to have bad panic attacks to the point where if I was driving, I had a pullover, and I would hyperventilate. I would start crying. It was like the whole world was spinning, and I just didn't even know what to do. And so then my family had to come get me. They were like, oh, my God, where are you? And I had my daughter. I was horrible before. My daughter was a baby. And so then my family would have to find me like where I was parked and come get me, help me with the baby to just realign my thoughts. So I started to do exercises where it was like mind over matter because sometimes like, you know, you have to gain that power back psychologically. And sometimes it's like, okay, yes, that happened to you where you are now sometimes. Like, you've gotten out of that abusive situation. And sometimes the memory holds that trauma. And sometimes when your mind goes to that place of trauma, I let you do exercise thing. Like, because you'll have that place, that trauma, it'll bring you to the, like, you have, you will feel like you're in the room, you can smell the atmosphere. And, like, even if it happens, even if it happens to you as a child, you become a child psychologically because it carries that memory, that trauma. And you have to talk to yourself, like, revisit, do these exercises. Like, I have to revisit myself now and say, like, okay, Joanna, you're not that person anymore. We got out of that place. Now we are going to do X, Y, Z to move forward. But that comes with time. Like, you have to constantly remind yourself, like, I'm not in that place anymore. Because that's where the fear comes in, and fear is something that's not real sometimes. Or fear is something that happened in the past, but it's not in the present. And you have to bring yourself to the present, okay, this is where I'm trying to go. And that fear sometimes cripples you. You hear those voices that the abusers would say, you're stupid, you're going to be nobody. Look at you. You're going to be just a you. No one's going to want you. I have people say to me, like, that's what she said. Someone's going to want you. You have a baby. You're a single mother. You're going to be a bum. You're going to be broke. Like, the meanest thing. You're ugly. Like, it's just the meanest thing. And sometimes when I'm about to do something, those negative thoughts would come and invade my thoughts. And I had to train myself to read and meditate on things of who I am and who I aspire to be. So I can combat those. Those are my tools in my mind. So it's like, okay, yes, yes, Joanna, you're tired. Okay, you work all day. You got to take care of the kids. You got to work on your business. You got to do this. But we're going to get to here. We're trying to get to this next place, and it's a good place. So you have to combat those thoughts with facts. And sometimes you have that strength in you to push to the next dimension, but that comes with the self-empowering. And that's what we're going back on what um, Dr. Nancy said, doing things that, lo- that, that build up your life force because the abuser wants to take that life force from you. The abuser wants to take their destiny from you. And they operate under that kind of, like, disorder. 
And it's like you have to regain your power back. Like how we have this conversation, we're in agreement, we're regaining our power. So when we leave this conversation, we're going to be like, yes, okay, I got tools. Now I can go forward and I can keep on doing whatever I got to do because we're all learning from each other. And that's going to empower us to push to the next dimension of who we are destined to be and our purpose. And that's where I feel like abusers trying to steal is your purpose. And we have to go back to like, okay, this is what, this is what, I'm here for, I'm helping people, and I have to go into numb mode to be like, okay, yep, like, I'm going to just block that out, and they call it narcissistic abuse, sometimes called gray rock, like, it's a, it's an exercise you got to do, it's sometimes some people that, and they can't leave the abuser right away, like, how Nancy is like, okay, I have some situations with children or family members that are abusive, but you still have to co-habit in sometimes the same space. So you got to block out what they're saying and just focus on facts. Like, okay, you want to do this? And you listen for the response. Because sometimes people who are abusers, they want reaction, and reaction drains you. It's designed to drain your life force. Reaction's designed to get your mind confused, entangle you, and to drain your energy. So after you're done with that person, you're like, oh, my God, like, you can't even do that thing because you're so exhausted from engaging with that person. But you have to exercise those things of just listening for facts and pushing through, keep in focus where you want to be, what you want to obtain in your life, your life force. Because some people who are like, who have that disorder, like that's their disorder and that's their problem. That's not your burden to carry. So I try for me, that's how I kind of break down the numb mode um, um, phrase because it's like you have to push through and sometimes you feel exhausted because the abuser, the words from the abuser, sometimes the atmosphere from the abuser drains you and you got to go to numb mode. She's like, nope, I'm going to close up those negative thoughts because you got to numb those thoughts and I got to push through to get to where I got to get to. And then the next day, you're like, oh, my God, thank God I did that. Thank God I signed up for that class. Mm-hmm. Thank God I researched how to get an apartment so I can leave my abuser. Thank God I got, you know, this job so I can have funding to feed my children. Because sometimes when you're in an abusive environment, you can't even think straight. It's just like chaos all around you. And sometimes you have to shut up those thoughts, and you have to be like, nope, I got to do what I got to do. Mind over matter. Train your mind to do that, but that comes with over time and meditating and reading things on self-love, doing self-preservation. Like um, people were saying, like, oh, you know, I'm not around abusers, and that came through time because you were just like, okay, that's it. I can identify abusers. You're studying it. You're researching. You're like, nope, I got to do self-preservation because I got to push through. I got to go through to my next dimension, my next destiny. And sometimes when abusers, they want you to feel like this is it. You're trapped. You're destitute. And you're not trapped. You have the power to change your mind, change your life, change your environment, and it comes through time. And that's what helped me to, like, push through the abuse because I had to be like, sometimes you can't run right away. You've got to strategize. You've got to say, okay, no more. Time for me to map out my escape. You have to do those things. Right. But that comes with time. Yeah. 
And it really just depends where you are in your recovery process. I like the I like thank you for sharing that, Miss Joanna. That was perfectly said. But I do like the fact that um Miss Annie says, Guess what? I'm not even they don't have access to me. I wish I didn't have to deal you know, some of us have mental illness in the family and it may be like I'm dealing with it with my daughter, my stepdaughter, you know, so it's a little harder for me to escape it um, because I have to practice wisdom, and then um, it, it makes me a better counselor. So when I'm counseling my clients, even though I'm fighting my own fight, when I have my clients, now when I sit with them, I have a different awareness. It's taking me to another level. But I remember when I was single and, I, and, and the kids were not acting up, I had peace in my house. I had peace in my house. And I didn't have to deal with family, in-law, nothing. I just It was just me and my house. And that was uh, a very peaceful place. But for people who have extended families and things and boundaries are hard to set when you're still taking care of minor children, I have clients who their kids are in the juvenile justice system and they're trying to set boundaries, but there's still minors under them. It's a lot going on. So I just... You know, like I said, you, you figure out where you are. And sometimes in order to survive and to push through and to think straight, to figure out the map, because you cannot get away from the abusive relationship right away, sometimes numb mode will work for certain people. But I I do miss that point. I remember the time when I didn't have to do numb mode because anybody who pissed me off was completely out of my life, <laughs> cut off. So I do appreciate that you did share that because that's a good place to be. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I wrote down learning from each other because I learned so much from these shows. I write down what people are saying and then I review it later and it becomes part of my approach. And I just love it. I also wrote down, it's not my burden to carry. And I'm going to remember that. <laughs> That's a good yeah. line to yeah. say, you know, sorry, yeah. it's not my burden. I'm not going to do it. And let's see, what else? Focus on the facts. Yeah. That's important whenever I'm feeling emotional. And, like, sometimes I go into a, Oh, you're stupid. Oh, I hate you. Oh, you know, a lot of negative talk comes up. And if mm-hmm. I just focus on the facts, no, you're not stupid. You know, that that helps instead of the fantasy. The fantasy that you're horrible and everyone hates you and all of those things. That's not true. None of that is true. And so if you focus on the facts about yourself, then you can lift yourself up out of the hatred, the self-hatred. Right. Also, for me, um, if I may um, say something as well, is I really started to kind of focus on the self-care. One of the things that I do is I go out to eat. I take my kids out to eat, which I need to slow it down because I've been a little too, a little too greedy, y'all. Uh, and I know, um, what's it? Uh, Phil's been getting on me. Like, did you go to the gym, Doctor Nancy? Did you get to the gym? Because Phil's been getting his little workout on, showing off on us. Right, Phil, you've been flexing on us? Working on your self-care, Philip? Well, sorry, I was on mute. 
and it takes a while to get to the new oh, button. I like to go for two walks every day, and I've been meditating for a week. Mm. Wow. 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 Okay. Do you have but a dog that, that goes with good. you, Philip? But, mm-hmm. Do you have a dog, Philip, that walks with you? We have two dogs, but I don't take them out because there's a big dog oh. outside. So usually my mom just takes them out. <laughs> okay. Well, good for you. I try to walk once a day with so, my little dog. And it's a wonderful thing just to be outside and walking in the fresh, fresh air, air. And with the far vista instead of being all closed in in your room, you know. See down the street. So, Philip, since you don't walk the dog, what helps to motivate you to stay active? Is there anything? Do you challenge yourself? Like, what tools? What helps you to just do the next step and push through? Or you just enjoy um, walking? Is it something you enjoy? I enjoy walking. I don't like to be lazy. I don't want to be average, and I want to have a nice body for the ladies. I need to get it together. I want to have a nice body for the summer. <laughs> that's, hey, that's real. I like that, Philip. Okay? I know Joanna's been on it, too. She's been on her little workout tip, too. So here I have, you know, the importance of doing self-care. Okay? So, again, that may be, you know, getting support from a friend or a family member, right? Try to identify, like, a person that you trust, somebody that you feel safe with. Talk about the abuse and express your feelings, you know. So if you have to get a counselor, again, or find a safe person, just talk about it and disclose the truth because holding on to that truth and feeling like you have to lie and protect the assailant it can be an extra form of trauma, of abuse for yourself, right? Use stress reduction techniques, like I said, um, exercising, like we were just talking about, jogging, aerobics, walking, relaxation techniques. I use relaxation techniques in the morning. Sometimes I'll meditate, I'll pray, and I try to release some of these people that, you know, bring me some of, the, this, some of these children that bring me stress, Um, you know, do yoga or get a massage, you know, go to like a local spa or guess what, go to a school. The massage schools have great prices and or, you know, go to a beauty school, get your hair done for like $15, wash, blow, dry, and curl. How do I know? Because um, I'm I'm a teacher at a beauty school. So, you know, it's, it's a good experience. Um, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. Or guess what? Listen to some music. What kind of music do you like? Uh, find the station. Um, Pandora, excuse me, and they'll generate songs that are similar in that um, genre that you like. Um, take a hot tub bath. And one of the problems I have with my tub bath is the water won't really get hot. So go down to the heater. And one of the suggestions is somebody that knows about these things, ask them how you can turn it up just a little bit, fill up your tub, take a tub bath, you know, take care of yourself, um, massage yourself with some oil, uh, or use a good moisturizer. Um, You know, maybe you can, again, prayer meditation or light a candle. I tell people, 
sometimes get a nice candle and and um and do that and then journal. That's a good way to to get things out of your mind, get things out of your body. Again, take time out. You know, sometimes I don't go on social media. I don't check my phone. Uh, reading a good book could help you to kind of disconnect and uh, and just kind of debrief, um, you know. And uh, and it's a it's a good healing activity, especially if you have a healing activity book, okay. And again, uh, journaling is good. Uh, it helps to release some of the hurt. And uh, or just hug the people you love. If there's a baby or a, a, a parent or a friend or a cousin, get a hug. Hugs make you feel good, yeah, and it reminds you you're not alone. I don't know if anybody has any techniques of anything that they like to do. I like to sauna. I like to. I have really? a little sauna, the kind with the really? red light, you know, and. Um, I like that because I sit in there all alone and I just get overheated. <laughs> but it's, it's good for you, you know, in a good way. There's just something about that that is so relaxing. And I do try to meditate when I'm in there, too. I'm not very good at it, but I try. And also, I journal. That's one of the things that helps me the most is the writing. Um, just I, I like to do the three pages nonstop writing where you just write anything that occurs to you mm-hmm. and just it doesn't matter if it's a sentence, doesn't matter if it's the same word over and over. Just mm-hmm. keep writing. And it's amazing what comes out. So many things come out that maybe are in the back of my mind. But now they come out, I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> wow, I should take care of that or something. So um, I, I always recommend to to people, to survivors, to try that three pages nonstop every morning writing and uh, see if it helps you. Sorry. Okay, anybody else? No, you're fine. Does anybody else like have to, any um, self-care? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like to um, do things like in, um, like, because I'm an artist, so I like to, like, draw. I have, like, a little, like, drawing notebook next to my nightstand. I like to just, like how you were saying, like, going out with your kids, spending time with my children, um, creating beautiful memories and part of my healing because you know how I go back to like the trauma, it's a memory, right? So now you have the ability to make new memories. So when I was leaving abusive relationships, I love doing things with my kids, with my family, with my friends. So I'll be like, come on, let's go to a museum. Let's go to the playground. Let's go do something. And I'll take pictures. I'll do video. And I'll be like, you know, I'm creating that new memory, that new chapter to push back the trauma, you know. And the happy memories is who I really am. And that's one of the tools I use to release the trauma the new memories, 
and doing things like, you know, taking risks. Like, okay, I'm going to take a class. I'm going to submit, you know, something for like a business or things like that goes into your, I always say purpose. Because I feel like at the end of the day, when we close our eyes, everybody's here for a purpose. And some people are like, oh, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my purpose is. But I feel like purpose is something that you naturally gravitate towards, things you love doing, second, like second nature, like someone likes to run, they like to go to the gym, they like to paint, they like to speak, they like to encourage. And it's like, okay, your gifts are in that. So when you operate in those gifts, that's in your natural nature, like how a flower likes to bloom because it's a flower. Like a bird likes to fly because it's a bird, it flies. And it's just natural. So doing things that are in your purpose, that's in your gift, that makes you feel, that gives you that power back and creating new memories. Like going to the museum, traveling, doing things like, oh my God, I went scuba diving. It was so beautiful. Or I went to, I always want to go to this, this uh, go hiking, and I climbed to the top of the mountain, and I saw all the beautiful, like, I live up in, uh, in Boston, so foliage up here is, like, people come from, like, all over the world, like, to come see it. They go to Vermont, they go to New England, and they're just like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful, because it is, like, you see all the rainbows and the trees, and I'll do little things, like, even driving, like, Throughout the day, like, I do little exercises, like, take a video or a picture of something that's so beautiful. But it's, like, only between you. Like, you or, you know, you and God or you or, you know, whatever you believe in. It's just, like, and it's something like night when I go to sleep. I'm like, oh, my God. I would go through my pictures. Like, when I remember that beautiful butterfly that was on the flower. I remember that beautiful sunset when I was stuck in traffic, but the sunset was shining, and I took a picture of that sunset. You know, like little things that we like seeing passing, but we take for granted. And it's like the little moments of time when you're like meditating. And it's like, oh my God, look, it's like even the smell of like, I started doing candles, like Nancy was saying. So I'll just get like a candle that's like, oh my God, that reminds me of like Christmas. I remind me of a cupcake. And it just brings that, like the smell, the aroma of just something that brings up a beautiful memory are beautiful, like, are creating memories. So I'm I'm in that season right now where I'm just, like, that's part of my healing mechanism that I like to, to use. Good. Um, I think definitely I can relate to pouring into my purpose. And so sometimes when I have low self-esteem, I'll go do a little TikTok on, like, a hairdo. I have a lot of hair videos, things that I've done on my phone that I've never posted. But sometimes I'm like, whatever, let me just get this out. Oh, well, well, if I, you know, why die with all this stuff inside? Let me just get it out. But those things do help you feel like you're working towards your purpose um, and your goals, which, you know, for me is in the beauty industry with the hair. And also being an artist and enjoying creating new, new art with hair as far as the creative um, hair styling goes, but um, definitely can relate to that. I don't know if anybody else finds has other ways that they kind of cope and help work on their own self care. Some people like singing, karaoke. Anybody else? Music is pretty good for me. 
What you like? Music. Music. There you go. There you go. Music is great. What kind of music do you like? Um, I like all kinds of music. That's even better. There you go. You culturally diverse. Um, one of the things I wanted to share, if I may, Miss Danny, um, you know, how can you help a friend or a family member who has been through abuse? Um, and so um, I'll say a couple of things, and then if we can just kind of open up. Um, you know, it's, it's number one thing that I would say is believe them. I think is, is you know, I've heard a lot of people share on this show that they've shared with their parent or their loved one, their mom or their dad, you know, that they went through abuse. And the parent didn't believe them or the loved one didn't believe them. And if somebody finds you as a safe person enough to confide in you on that level, with something so serious um, at such a high level, believe them. Um I think that it's important to believe them. Um, you know, don't blame them. A lot of times people will be like, well, you keep going over, you kept going over there. You went there three, four times after that, you know. But it's like, okay, some people, you know, when we talk about grooming, you know, they they are very, very manipulative, and they'll do tactics where you feel guilty. You start losing your your uh, ability to make good choices, and especially if you're talking about minor children, uh, it can be very difficult. It happens to adults too. Don't don't um, believe the hype. You know, maybe you can offer shelter, you can offer some resources, uh, or just be there and give them support uh, and, and give them some form of comfort. And, you know, and and try to be patient and, and validate the feelings of the survivors. You know, if they're dealing with anger, validate that. I mean, hey, that's a normal feeling. If they're dealing with pain or fear, validate that. And, um, and just understand that that's just a part of the process. And make sure that you express uh, your compassion for uh, for the what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just had a comment when you said don't blame them because so many people they do, they blame the victim. And and maybe the victim has a little bit, I don't know, but certainly not children. Children have no blame. They have no part in causing the abuse. They are blameless, I believe. That's all. Yeah, you're right. A lot of times people do. Does anybody else have anything else to say? Because if not, I'll just keep on going. Anybody um, have any other thoughts about how you can help a friend or a family member? Yeah, you could say something like, you know, you can talk to me. Don't judge somebody sometimes mm. too because sometimes people, even I feel like sometimes the victim has shame. And so sometimes it's hard for them to even 
speak. They're like, oh, my God, if I tell this person I did this or I saw my abuser or whatever, I'm going to be judged. So, like, listening, you know, being a voice, like, okay, yeah, you can tell me anything. I won't say anything. You know, like, I won't say, like, I won't judge you. And let them have, like, make them feel like it's a safe space. And then, you know, you can help them, like, suggesting, like, solutions, like, okay, like, how about, like, you know, maybe, you know, we can map out how to, like, change this situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, like, you know, you you have that, sometimes, you know, um, some victims go back, like, mostly, like, domestic violence. You know, they're trying to compartmentalize, like, does this person love me? Can I change this person? They keep on going back. It's like a constant fight mentally. And if they do go back, to encourage them to leave, but not in a negative way. Like, they're like, oh, you're stupid. Why'd you do that? Screaming at the person. And so the person's not going to come to you when they have an emergency. Or they need help. They're like, oh, this person's going to judge me. Just forget it. You know, so I think just being a good person to listen to would really help and let them feel safe. That was good. Some people say, you're stupid. Oh, my God. That must be so scary. You tell someone what you're dealing with and then they make that comment. It'll make you just shut down. Like, maybe I am stupid. Start second guessing yourself, and you know that that has to be hard. I had a client tell me this today. Um, she said, the more that she was judged by her parents, the more she she learned how to better hide things, or how to be more sneaky. So sometimes we're thinking we're empowering the person by making these mean comments. I said it to empower you. You're stupid. You're dumb. Girl, you better get it together. But they don't understand that for the for the victim who's trying to get to the place of survivor, it's a process. And a lot of times when you are a victim, your self-esteem is already affected. Your ability to make choices is affected. And just everything. I mean, you're just like broken down. You're you're broken down to the lowest denominator, and you're trying to get a sense of hope. And you need someone to speak life into you, water that plant, so that you can rise back up. Mm-hmm. Does anybody uh, have any thought about that or? you know, different ways that you can be supportive to someone. For me, I'll say stay friends. You know, sometimes you'll tell somebody something and they cut you off. Oh, my God, that's a whole triple whammy. You're already dealing with them, yourself, and then now your friend. Like, must be very difficult. Now. Uh, if anybody else? Well, thank you for that. We still have yeah. almost 15 minutes left, so 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's just important for us to educate ourselves, especially if somebody comes and shares with you what they're dealing with. Um, take some time and educate yourself so that you learn to be, what to say and what not to say. You know, we're all in this together and we're all learning. We're all learning, we're all healing, we're all, you know, trying to help other people. And so it's important to to take some time to get educated so that we know what to say and what not to say, what may be a trigger and what may not be a trigger. Um, and understanding that, you know, some people, they may have to get some support from a counselor, they may have to get some medication. And, you know, part of their recovery is not what we expect to look like, but everybody's recovery is different. And just trying to be supportive. You know, educate yourself, believe believe the, believe your friend. Uh, you know, watch your reactions. Don't make ugly faces when they're telling you things. Um, you know, get your own support system. You may need someone that you need to tell, like, oh, my God, I just had my friend tell me because of that. You may need your own support system through the process of being a support system, and it's okay because every coach has a coach. I got coaches. Um, you know, Joanna and I pour into each other on a consistent basis, uh, you know, and so as we continue to learn and grow, right? Um, and, yeah, don't don't take people's uh, reactions to your trauma personally. Uh, strengthen yourself. It's one of the things that I would say. Some people look at you like, girl, you crazy. Some people say some off-the-wall things to you that will break you down and set you back in your recovery. Don't let how others view your recovery to affect you. Try your best. You know how far you've come and keep on healing, keep thriving, and keep coming forward. That's my word right now. <laughs> Yay. Good words. <laughs> yeah, I want to be gentle um, with yourself. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes when you talk to people too, like you have to, um, you know, see if that person will be able to receive what you're saying too. I'm sorry, that's my daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes you have to, like, you know, sometimes you want to share with people, but I always encourage people to also kind of like. See if that person is willing to receive it because some people they don't they never experience what you experience and some people don't have the understanding and the wisdom to process what you experience and like what Dr. Nancy said oh you're like oh you're stupid why would you do that that's irresponsible and they're just tearing you down and. You're just like, okay, why didn't I even tell you in the first place? And you feel like a whole lot worse that you even told that particular person. As I've been, you know, recovering, I tell people, like, if I don't have the solution, I'll feel like, you know, I encourage you to seek a therapist. And so they have, like, links to, you know, websites like BetterHelp, Psychology Today, and I encourage them to, you can select some of the, you know, the 
the concerns that you have on the website, and then I can narrow it down to somebody who's a professional that can help guide you through your thinking process. And that's how I try to phrase it. If I don't know the solution, I'll say, well, you know, I'm not really experienced in this, but what I can suggest is this. But sometimes you don't always have to suggest things when you just listen. Sometimes, you know, people don't want, and they just want to vent sometimes. <laughs> they don't want, um, they don't want an opinion. Some people just want to, like, vent. But it all depends on, like, who you speak to about that. So I encourage people to kind of, like, assess somebody a little bit before you just pour into people. And some people who are, like, narcissists or that narcissistic trait, they look for people who are, like, abuse survivors. They look for people who kind of want compassion in some way, and that kind of ties into the love bombing part. Um, but some people have that predator mindset, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I could help you. But you're, some people are in a low place, and they connect. They do cycles of getting into, like, abusive relationships. And you don't really pay attention to those things until, like, you're already in it. But that's another form of, like, someone manipulating you because they see you need a need, but you want to speak to somebody who, you know, generally wants to listen to you and have compassion. And that's why I encourage people to, you know, speak a therapist or somebody that is has of a poor of integrity because sometimes when people don't have that integrity um, um, or like, you know, we can do the, because we do those exercises that we talked about, but um, yeah, sometimes when you talk to some people, they'll be like, yes, you want some money? Oh, you're a single mother? Let me help you. And they just have this sneaky kind of spirit to like use you and abuse you. And that's what some women do. Some women, they get into, like, prostitution. They get into all type of craziness because they can meet a partner, a man that could just, or vice versa, they get into a legal thing because they, they're desperate. They, need, they want the validation and those kind of things and the help. And some people are like, oh, I can help you. And that's another thing I just thought of. Cool. Thank you. We've got seven minutes left. And I just want to say thank you to the audience for being with us tonight. And um, I'll tell you that this radio show is on five nights a week, Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, you're always welcome to call in and be a part of the show every night. And the the number, so you can write it down for tomorrow, is 646-595-2118. And that's all. Okay, back to the talk. We have seven minutes left. Anybody want to jump in for the end? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just want to say... Um, Thank you to uh, Joanna. Thank you so much for sharing tonight. And 
Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Philip. It's always a pleasure to have you. You guys uh, both um, have really helped to kind of support tonight's conversation because you both were on point with your topics and your comments. Um, I think as, as it relates to narcissistic abuse, um, the fact that they look for prey that are uh, have been through abuse, and they target us, excuse me, um, I think it's just, um, <clears throat> it's just really sad, but uh, it, it does help us to better equip ourselves and to pay attention to some of the past relationships that we've had and be able to recognize some of these signs. So, you know, one of the, the things that we're going to talk about was that narcissistic grooming. So I don't know, if Joanna, if you wanted to share anything in that area of the narcissistic grooming. I know you shared some earlier, uh, but <clears throat> if you just think of anything um, that you'd like to share in that area, please feel free to do that. Um, like some of the forms of narcissistic grooming is, it'll come with like, you know, the love bombing and then Little hints of like jabs of abuse, like they'll talk about your look, they'll talk about your career, they'll do little mistreatment things, and then they turn around and say like, oh, but you know, I still love you, but you're like, I just got like abused, or you know, what you did to me was wrong, but they always come back around with that cycle, like, oh, I'll just love bomb you again. So you can accept these kind of treatments. And then before you know it, you're conditioned and groomed to the abusive cycle. Before you know it, you're in it. But that's like a form of like the grooming. Does that make any sense? Yeah. One thing that I noticed, um, I know we don't have that much time. We have like five minutes. But one thing that I noticed is sometimes they'll be like really quick to talk really fast, like a hustling type of fast talking. By the time you look, you're like, oh, my God, I felt forced. Like, yeah, I need to, and you're like, okay. And then you, like, find the paper or you, you know, like there's some sport, sort of emergency rush, overpowering amount of words to the point that by the time they're done, you're like, dang, they got me out of, like, $200. How did that happen? Um, I don't know if you ever experienced that or anyone here has experienced yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, sometimes people with the narcissistic trait, they're like, because that goes back to they move very quickly. So, like, you know, like how you, when you're a kid, you used to go to a magician show. So the magician's like, look at I'm pulling the rabbit out of the hat. But they're moving so quickly, you can't even see it. And there's something going on behind the scenes but you don't see it. And people with the narcissistic trait, they're very manipulative. They move very quickly because they're able to process things very fast to get what they want. So it's like they're like magicians. And before you know it, you're like, oh, my gosh, how did I end up here? What? How did I sign this? How did I get into this kind of agreement? Because they talk very fast, and they move very fast. So with the love bombing, because that's, like, not normal. When you meet somebody, you have to, you know, trust them to be earned. 
So when you meet somebody, you're assessing, you're friends, you're progressing naturally. But narcissists are like, come on, let's go. Come on, I want to get the tickets to go to California. We want our vacation. I bought you the car. I got you the clothes. Then before you know it, you're like, some people, like, they end up in jail. Because some people are like, oh, yep, I need to take this back to Mexico. Just put, just put the cocaine in it. Come on, no one's missing you. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And you're like, okay, yep, on the other side, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you from the airport. And then we're going to go to Hawaii. And you're just in this rush. You can't even think straight. And that's how they manipulate their victims in part of the grooming. Because they'll have you do things that you're not even knowing what you're doing because they're talking so fast. And they're moving so fast like a magician. So, like, I encourage people, like, when you get into relationships, take your time. Do a 360. Like, like look around. See what this person's lifestyle is like. Because if someone's, like, moving super fast and they like to use a victim, they like to mirror you, too. That's some of their techniques. So when you're sharing things, like I was saying, like, when you're sharing things with somebody, you don't know them. They could be a predator. They could be listening like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, I was abused too. Uh-huh. And that's how you fall in love with them because they're mirroring yourself. And they're looking at mm-hmm. you and they're like, yep, saying exactly what you want to hear so they, can, so they can get what they want out of you. So that's why I encourage you to, when you share your story, go to a professional. Or if you're doing it with a friend, share with a friend, that person is a person of integrity because – like I said, the people who have predator mindset, that's what they use for their victims. Like some women who go into prostitution, they're like, oh, well, you know, I want a, a husband, I want a father figure, and they'll use that. And then before they know it, they're on the street. Okay, I'm perfect. Thank kidding. you. We're mm-hmm. down to um, 30 seconds. Just wanna, if you want to say something, okay. wrap it up. I just want to make sure you don't get cut off. Mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> thank you for listening. Okay. You're welcome. Well, thank, thank you. you to everyone for being on tonight. I have to play the music at the end. And so I'll say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you for joining. Good night. Tomorrow, cause that's gone away.